You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, live in the Right Side Studios. Man, local, state, national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Friday. We got we got to make the sound effect, Boomer. You got the, you got the boom for me? We got Friday. It is there. You have reached the end of the week. <laughs> Welcome to the end of the first work week of 2023. And uh, Boomer's on the board. How you doing, brother? I'm awesome. It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> How bad can it be? It's Friday. I mean, I'm just I'm just excited. It's Friday. I'm sure a lot of people. Which, are. by the way, it's a beautiful day out oh, there too. Gorgeous. I'm ready for the weekend. I get to watch a basketball game tonight. Not now, not NBA guys, but very close. <laughs> it's my little five year olds. <laughs> yeah, basketball time. Little, little bitty nubbins like out there playing basketball. Two practices, so it's going to be a quite a quite a fun. Thing to I watch. love those little little guy <laughs> little guy soccer and little guy basketball and you know where they they don't really play their position they just play the ball that, everybody right. masses around the ball and just chases it <laughs> that's what it's gonna be <laughs> oh that's good that's good all right we got a full show laid on for you I mean we got some great stuff I'm pretty excited about uh, the uh, at three o'clock today so somebody who I met years ago while serving in Montgomery. Um, Annette Funderburk, she is the president of Ingram State Community College, and they have a special charter. Unlike every other uh, member of the two-year system, Ingram State is different in that what it does is it literally is the education pipeline for our prison population. It's a, it's a very unique mission, but it's also, in my opinion, one of those unsung success stories here in the state of Alabama. They're doing amazing work right now to reduce recidivism, to give people a skill set to leave prison and go into the workforce. And Annette Funderburk is the president of Ingram State, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know her. And, and so she's going to be here in studio with us at 3 o'clock. You're going to want to hear that interview. It, it's one of those things that's going to probably just make you feel better about the way things are going. You know what I'm saying? One of the stories that you go, wow, that's cool. Glad of it. So, yeah, 3 o'clock, Annette Funderburk, president of Ingram State Community College, will be with us here in studio. Uh, number one in the Triple Dipper. I'll get to it in a second. Play that sound effect, bro. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So number one, Congressional Chess Part 4. <laughs> congressional Chess Part 4. They just had the 13th vote. And oh, by the way, the numbers have changed. And they've changed quite considerably in Kevin McCarthy's favor. So, uh, yeah, y'all stay tuned. We'll talk all about it. It looks like they're getting close. In fact, uh, McCarthy's only four votes away. I'll just put it that way. And I'll tell you some things that have been happening and talk through some of the congressional chess that has to go on now, probably through the weekend, but I think they're going to get there. Uh, number two is going to be the interview with uh, Annette Funderburg, Ingram State. I'm calling this whole section of the Triple Dipper, Ingram State, an Alabama success story. It's just very cool, and it's it's so necessary. And it's one of those things that you look at and go, man, we hear bad news about the prison population and the prison system and the prison construction and whatever all the time. There's good things happening. 
And Ingram State is a part of the good things that happen in the correctional system. So, anyway, we'll have that. Number two in the Triple Dipper, Ingram State, an Alabama success story. And then number three, got to do it. Every once in a while, there's a, so many of them, you can't avoid it. You got to have the whole buffet, a plethora, a vast cornucopia, if you will, of wokeness. So, yeah, Adventures in Woke World, number three on the Triple Dipper. And I got some good ones, man. Um, like just the headlines alone will make you sort of chortle, roll your eyes, throw something at the radio. <laughs> it's gonna, it's going to be good. Adventures in Woke World, number three on the Triple Dipper. All right. And let me jump over to my comments. So I've been watching these machinations, you know, up in D.C., like the rest of y'all. I've been watching them earnestly, probably more so than, you know, the average citizen because it's what I do, right? But I'll tell you this. Um, I've been watching some of the rhetoric that surrounds it. Wow. Have you ever been in the middle of something that was like somewhat tense already, only to have one of the participants just deliberately make it more difficult by saying something that was, you know, unnecessarily inflammatory, if you will? Literally just throwing gas on the fire, taking a tense but otherwise productive moment and just blowing it up. Well, to me, it's a sign of a lack of control, even arrogance, and sometimes a lack of professionalism. I will never forget once in the middle of a very contentious legal battle, I was huddled with the opposition lawyers in a side room. All right, the judge had ordered all the counsel to go sit in there and work it out on whatever the latest point of contention was. Well, these lawyers that I was dealing with, they had already become some of my least favorite people in the whole world, and one of them was so bad that I had a running list of ethics violations about him that I was considering reporting to the State Bar Association. But in any event, we were directed by the court to go sit down and to come to some terms. So I was trying to do that when one of the other lawyers taking issue with one of my suggested outcomes just looked at me and said, well, Phil, I just think that you're on some kind of a moral jihad here. Okay, I came out of my seat on that one. Having recently completed two combat tours in the Middle East, the very idea that anyone would use the word jihad to describe anything that I said or did was something I was not willing to overlook. And I told him um, very directly as he sat there in stunned silence, what I thought about his poor choice of words and his poor choice of clients. And then I went out and told the court that we were not going to reach an agreement that day. Well, basically, in that case, we might have gotten somewhere that day, but for that one man's ill-spoken comments that served only to make a difficult situation worse. And listen, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've said some things in my day and had to retract my statements and even ask for forgiveness. Just ask my wife. But it's one thing to be in the heat of an actual argument and say regretful things while emotions are high. It's an entirely another one to be in a professional environment, speaking unprofessionally. I mean, the world expects professionals to act professionally, to present themselves professionally, and yes, to speak professionally. In the first chapter of the book of James, we're told that, quote, anyone who thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his own tongue, he's deceiving himself and destroying his own witness. That's a bit of a paraphrase, but think about it. What it's saying there is thousands of years ago, James was inspired to put down in written form how important it was for someone to recognize that if they run off at the mouth all the time, it'll serve only to destroy their own reputation, even to the extent that people will begin to question their credibility on things that matter. In that case, in the case of that passage, he was talking about faith-based testimony, but I believe we can also apply that same principle to other aspects of life, not the least of which is what we expect of members of Congress. So just this week, we've been watching the tenth floor debates and perpetual voting of the House members as they vie for who will be the next Speaker of the House. 
And I'll be honest, for his part, I will say that I believe that Congressman Kevin McCarthy has handled the public display of votes that have been rendered against him as professionally as could possibly be hoped. I'm sure he's been animated behind the scenes, but honestly, his public demeanor to this point has been very noteworthy. I've even seen him clapping for those who were nominated to run against him at times. That's a class act. Will he be Speaker of the House? Well, that remains to be seen, but his public persona is intact, and I'm glad of it. I wish I could say that about some of his colleagues in the House. So let me just name some names. I will name names of people that need to learn better how to govern their own tongues. You ready? Representative Cory Bush, Representative Dan Crenshaw, Representative Matt Gates, and Alabama's own Representative Mike Rogers. Yep, it's a bipartisan problem, with some folks having no clue that their words could be more destructive and that the better part of valor might be just to shut their traps for a bit. So yeah, Representative Cory Bush, a fine example, if you will, of the fact that apparently anybody can be an elected official in the United States. Cory Bush actually came out on a national network and referred to her Republican colleague, Representative Byron Donalds, as an Uncle Tom. Her words, not mine. She went on to say that despite being a black man, that he was a racist who was nothing more than a prop and helping to promote a white supremacist agenda. Wow. I mean, just wow. But when someone whose sole life experience before being elected was nothing more than being a race-baiting activist, well, we shouldn't be surprised, right? But then there's Representative Dan Crenshaw, somebody who I've had a great deal of respect for in the past. He's a wounded Navy SEAL veteran now serving in his second term in Congress. Crenshaw has lately become the poster boy for condescension, standing there shaking his head on national TV, throwing his hands in the air as he adamantly derides anyone who disagrees with a vote for Kevin McCarthy as being somewhat of a not-team player and holding up the show unnecessarily, even going so far in one interview as saying that the dissenters need to get in line and, quote, shut the blank up. Well, it's past time for Crenshaw to take his own advice. Then there's Representative Matt Gates, someone who has recently come through a scandal of his own and is apparently never one to choose his words carefully. Inflammatory is the way he likes to operate. Gates, among other incendiary comments, recently said that with regard to Kevin McCarthy, quote, if you want to drain the swamp, you can't put the biggest gator in charge of it. Well, comments like that smack a grandstanding, and they only serve to more fully jam up the process and cast his position into one of belligerence instead of principle. And then there's the one that may have actually been the worst of them. Alabama's own Congressman Mike Rogers. Now, I've known Congressman Rogers for a bit, and I was surprised to hear Representative Chip Roy recently cite him as one of the chief instigators of dissension in this whole process. Mike Rogers is on record as recently referring to the members who were still voting against McCarthy as nothing more than political terrorists and threatening to use his leverage as the incoming chairman of House Armed Services to have them all stripped of their committee assignments. Well, apparently that went over not so well. A recent report that I've got here on the table indicates that talks broke down at that point and that Mike Rogers is better than that, better than that. He, of all people, should know the value of open and transparent debate and the haggling that always goes into making deals on the floor of the House. Well, the end result of all of this, I'll be honest with you, is that we're going to have a Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives. Of that much, I feel certain. And it will likely be Kevin McCarthy. And when this is all said and done and members have been fully sworn and seated for the 118th Congress, there will be work to do, good work, meaningful work. And I would strongly suggest that the members get a hold of their tongues and remember that every word they speak out of turn right now is one they're going to have to live with later. We need professionalism. We need members of Congress to start bridling their tongues. And that's a wrap for the Right Side Way. Uh, there it is. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's been something to watch. I mean, 
Rhetoric is rhetoric. I get it. Sometimes somebody's going to say something that's going to sound a little inflammatory or they're trying to get a good sound bite out of it. Other times, though, completely unnecessary. Just stop. Just stop. All you're doing is making it worse. There's no need. And uh, to me, that comes down to a matter of professionalism. And truthfully, if you want to destroy your own witness, keep opening your mouth. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. I uh, got a great show laid on for you. Like I said, stay tuned because at three o'clock, uh, uh, Annette Funderburg, she's the president of Ingram State Community College. They have a special mission. We're going to get off politics for a while and go talk about something that's more of a success story about something happening here in Alabama that needs to be made known uh, more fully. So that's Ingram State, which uh, is the is the dedicated education pipeline uh, for the prison population here in the state of Alabama. And, and some amazing things have been happening there, by the way. Um, so we'll talk about that at, at the top of the hour. In the meantime, uh, we'll also be covering down in a minute here on the congressional chess, which is ongoing. I just, during the break, uh, had Boomer turn the volume up on one of the uh, screens here as... Um, uh, Representative Perry, who chairs the House Freedom Caucus, was talking. Uh, they have definitely made some movement. Uh, he's got some work to do among his own members, uh, but it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good interview. So I'll tell you about that here in just a moment. i got to tell you, too, the text lines are open. You want to jump on board? Uh, there's one number. You can call it or text it, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, we got uh, several folks brand new on the text line today. Hugh from Gadsden. Hugh, uh, glad you're in the uh, queue there with us, bud. Thank you. Uh, Kenneth from Hartsville, just uh, with regards to my monologue, just said, well said. Thank you, Kenneth. Appreciate that. Tony from Piedmont, uh, outstanding monologue. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Terry from Hartsville says, uh, loved your monologue, but why should they shut up? Okay. She says, America loves the Democrats who shoot their mouths off all the time, like Maxine Waters, Wilson from Florida, Al Sharpton. Uh, I get it. I mean, I think sometimes it's like, you know, showboating, grandstanding, uh, just hearing yourself talk and, and people tune in. It's like watching a train wreck sometimes. You just can't turn away. Um, but, uh, but if you're trying to resolve a situation, then maybe, maybe there are times when you just um, sort of wait for some of those comments till a better time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, Terry from Hartsville, thanks for the, uh, for the comment. John from Huntsville just texted in. <laughs> John, John, give me the business about the triple dipper. He says, come on, right side radio team, finish the week off strong with a completed triple dipper because so far you're just one for two. John, why are you man, keeping a list, man? I think he's going to keep a list this year. <laughs> We're going to find out that John's making marks on the wall for how many times I get the triple dipper done. 
Um, if I don't get it done, it's because we had so much to do. That's that's all there is to so it. So much good content. Good content, Boomer. Good content. That's right. By golly. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because we were sitting around here eating maple bacon donuts. Nope. Because those are indeed, by the way, the uh, official food of Right Side Radio. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think I, <laughs> I may have to run by the bakery later on. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's good doings. Um, well, so listen, um, as we move forward, you want to jump in? Just text us. Call us. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, Mike from Huntsville just texted in. Says... Um, Love the band music. Said nothing like starting with Slash on guitar. I agree, man. That was good stuff. He says, makes you think about the commercial he's in right now, trying out for the band. I've seen that commercial. It's yes. pretty funny. You seen that? Yes, that's a good one. He does a riff. Same same one, right? Same one. Yeah. It's the same one. So there, it makes uh, me think, oh, we're about to start the... No, we're not. It's a little garage <laughs> band, and they're, they're like, you're hired. Oh, cool, man. Um, okay. All right. All right. So what do you think is going to happen, Boomer? Are we going to vote anymore today? Um, we just did I, what, number 13? Number 13, yeah, I think they're moving, about to move on to 14, right? Are they? Correct? Or is it 13? They're moving on to 13. I think they've done 13. I think, I think, I think he's lost twice today so, so far. So a question would be, there's a couple people missing, right, today? Out of the My understanding, yes. Right. So will, will they just recess it, or will they go on and just do another vote? Today? I don't know why they would vote again today, because right. it seems like they've gotten close enough to where there's apparently a few people they've got to just go talk to mm-hmm. and say, look, dude, what's the deal? Um, there's only, what, seven seven now that are six, holding out? Six. 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 There oh, we yeah. go. Yeah. So, yeah, only six more to go. I, actually, I take it back. He only needs four more. Oh. There were six holdouts. He only needs four of them. Um, so he, he was at 214. McCarthy was at 214 on the last vote. Had six people voting against uh, the process here. Um, and I understand that Representative Ken Buck from Colorado had to be out today for a medical uh, appointment. And then somebody else, uh, unknown, but somebody else apparently is missing because you can tell by the numbers we were missing two votes. Mm. Um, and I don't know what those votes would do. Those votes might be for McCarthy. I guarantee you somebody's on the phone going, Ken, if you were here, which way would you vote? And, uh, <laughs> you know, what's Buck doing? I don't know. Let's wait for him because, you know, who knows? Those two that had to be out today, which, by the way, this is part of life. You find out that members of Congress are actually just real people. They have doctor's appointments and things they have to go to. Um, So, yeah, lo and behold, uh, we are looking at Kevin McCarthy walking off the floor right now. We'll see if they're going to come back for another vote today. I'm going to bet they adjourn. We'll talk about it. Congressional Chess, Part 4. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'll talk about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. Um, hey, by the way, text lines, uh, folks are rendering their opinions. If you want to text in, 833-687-4448. John from Brownsboro. He just texted in and says, uh, I'm sick of hearing about draining the swamp. Uh, he went on to say that, and he's got a pretty negative view, <laughs> but, but the bottom line, he said the problem with the Everglades is not the swamp. It's the invasive species that are screwing up the ecosystem. He said, get the invasive establishment lifers out that are only there to hoard power and money and screw up the reasonable functions of governance. Um, I get it. I, I, don't, I don't deny that uh, to some degree. I will say this. I don't think they're the invasive ones. I think they're just the old crocs that are still hiding in the weeds in uh and we need to occasionally, you know, call the call them out. Um, Tony from Piedmont just said uh, to John of the Triple Dipper, <laughs> he said, he said I can't tell what he's saying. All things good. I don't, anyway, and he says, basically, love from Tony. <laughs> so now we have our texters sending messages to each other for me to read out on the air. Does somebody want to propose to somebody? Send it to me. I'll propose for you on the air. Uh, that's, that's, that's funny. Uh, John from Huntsville texts in again, though. It says, Republicans play chess while Democrats play checkers. I've seen that happen. I've even used that phrase myself. Um, all right, let's jump over into it. By the way, here's the update. So what we have right now is the House is voting to adjourn. And members are walking out, so I'm assuming they have the votes to adjourn. Uh, but uh, that, that indicates to me that they've gotten as far as they're going to get today. Now, whether they will actually convene to, uh, I don't know when they're adjourning to. They have to adjourn to a date certain, date and time. Uh, but I'm not sure what the date and time has been designated as. Are they coming back in tomorrow? Are they coming back in at 10 o'clock tonight? Because there was one suggestion they might be doing that. Um, there also may be, you know, Monday. Um, so, uh, Representative, uh, is it Scott Perry? What's, uh, anyway, the House Freedom Caucus Chairman, uh, Representative Perry, he was on with Martha McCallum a minute ago during the break. And he made some great comments. So there's 15 members of the Freedom Caucus that have now flipped their vote for McCarthy. Representative Perry, Chairman of the Freedom Caucus, who has been leading the charge right now, or lately, uh, to, uh, to, to hold out for these concessions they've been wanting, he said, well, he said, I got to be honest. He said, when you're asking for something and they give it to you, you got to go, okay, time to give them my vote. And, and so in a sense, what he's saying there is Kevin McCarthy's done everything we've asked for. How could we not vote for him now? Um, and that's, that's integrity. That's honor. And so um, if they indeed got the concessions they were looking for, then, fellas, conservatives, it's going to be a new day. Because what we're looking at right now is the potential to literally change the way things are done in D.C. Official rules changes. And by the way, I know that I've got some folks out there who are who are jaded and somewhat cynical on the process who believe that tomorrow McCarthy could renege on every bit of it. He won't get away with that if he does. And he also, by the way, can't just do it uh, ad hoc. He can't just go in there and with the stroke of a pen or uh, closing his eyes, just let things happen that he said couldn't happen. Because as Speaker of the House, it would derail the system. He knows now he's got a block vote of people that if he needs them for legislation, he won't get them if he reneges on what he said he would do. Plus, once you change the rules, you can't just change them back unofficially. You have to literally change them in such a way that they are officially changed back or changed away from where you had them. So all of that to say, I, I, I trust that Kevin McCarthy will be a man of his word. 
Me talking. Uh, I do. Story here on Fox News, the kind of things they've been looking for. Story that came out this morning. Um, it says GOP deal emerges late Thursday. That was last night. That could give McCarthy a path to the speakership. He's only four away. One of my listeners, who was that? Uh, texted in a minute ago. I think it was, well, shoot. Um, now I don't recall who it was. One of my listeners, and I apologize, was it Richard from Madison? Yeah, Richard from Madison texted in. He said, with two people being out, McCarthy only needs two, not four votes. My point back to him was, I think that depends procedurally on whether those two individuals are still considered to be, quote, on the roll. Uh, I don't know for a fact how they do it in D.C. In Montgomery, there were times when if you already were on the roll, then you had to have yourself taken off the roll uh, when you left the room. So I don't know for a fact, uh, Richard, you got a great point. But it depends on their procedural status and how what their version of parliamentary procedure is. But the, the story here on Fox News is, is basically saying the House Freedom Caucus that has been resisting McCarthy has been asking for certain things that appear to all be coming together. It includes, by the way, having stronger uh, House Freedom Caucus representation on key House committees. That's important. Why? Because you want to know the most conservative voices have a seat at the table when they're talking about massive spending bills or when they're talking about, um, you know, more aid to Ukraine or when they're talking about the southern border. You want to know that the most conservative members of the body have as much of a say in the committee process, not just in a single vote on the floor. Because the committee process is where you can drop in amendments. That's where you can um, you can call for hearings. That's when you can call in witnesses. That's when you can issue subpoenas. So all that to say, that's a big deal, y'all. If they have guaranteed themselves seats at those tables, then conservatives, that's already good. Uh, it also includes, the plan apparently includes guardrails uh, for curbing excessive federal spending. One of those would be, here's the thing. What Nancy Pelosi began doing, and Chuck Schumer, began doing is getting away from the actual true legislative committee process. Like if you've got the House Armed Services Committee, they're supposed to provide the defense uh, budget portion after having just you know, gone through the committee and worked it all out. Uh, other committees, ag and whatever else, they all provide their versions or portions of the budget process. Truly vetted in committee, each one separate and distinct to itself. No, no, not with Democrats. They've been doing these omnibus $1.7 trillion spending packages that lump everything together and throw it out there, 4,155 pages. Drop it on you at 1.30 in the morning. New. So one of the guardrails that I believe the House Freedom Caucus has asked for and probably achieved is that they will return back to the regular order of business and allow for separate uh, budget bills to be passed through uh, various committees and allow them to be vetted and amended as possible through the committee process. That's a huge deal. Uh, that's where you get rid of pork and, and wasteful spending. That's where you find out things because it's easier to find it in a smaller version of a bill. Uh, something else they've been asking for. They want the ability to remove the Speaker of the House if the Speaker of the House is considered to be doing a poor job. Nancy Pelosi had the rules changed in her favor. Can you imagine? I mean, if a Republican had done that? Well, Pelosi had it changed to where you basically had to have a member of leadership, and I want to say you had to have like a, uh, a majority of the body uh, to be able to sponsor. I've forgotten how the rules were. The end result is this. The Freedom Caucus wants to know that if one member of the House believes the Speaker should be called upon to vacate the chair, that's the official term, 
that they should be allowed to make that motion. And that motion may get voted down, but they are still allowed to make that motion. Well, right now, the concession has been whittled down to five, five co-sponsors. But it's apparent now that what we may be looking at is McCarthy may have agreed. We'll just do one. I mean, he knows at that point they still have to have all the votes of the body. I don't know to what level they'll be allowed to bring that vote. Does it, is, it, is it out of order to bring it up, you know, uh, at certain times, or is it, is it, is, is it never out of order? Um, like certain motions in procedure in the, in the Senate in Montgomery, it was, you know, always considered uh, it was never out of order to bring a motion to adjourn. You could be in the middle of something else and move to adjourn. Um, it was never out of order to do a quorum call, meaning you didn't see enough people in the room. You could go up there to the microphone and issue a quorum call, and they would have to stop what they're doing and call the roll to see if they still had enough people to work. Um, so all that to say, one man, one woman, make a motion to remove the speaker. So these are all been working on, and, and you know, you got different comments. Some of them have said, hey, we like this. But we want time to review the details because it's the way it's written up. We want to know for a fact that it will be implemented this way or implemented by this time or whatever. So, for instance, uh, Representative-elect Ralph Norman of South Carolina said, this is round one. We have a ways to go. When he was asked if lawmakers would be working through the weekend, he said, yeah, probably yes. Um, Scott Perry, House Freedom Caucus chair, tweeted late last night, we are at a Reagan moment. We're going to trust but verify. He said, the devil's in the details. We'll take our time to ensure it's right. Not easy. One way or another, the status quo must go. Well, they've apparently gotten there with the majority of them. I just saw a moment ago Chip Roy, who has been ardently in favor of holding out, holding out, and holding out, and made some of the best floor speeches that we could have asked for as conservatives. I saw him having a very cordial conversation with Kevin McCarthy. He's already switched his vote. He's one of the ones who believes that McCarthy has done what they've been asking for. Some of the ones who are still holding out, Lauren Biebert of Colorado, Matt Gates of Florida, um, Andy Biggs of uh, Arizona, uh, and a couple of others who I am uh, less familiar with. We'll see. Um, now, one critique of McCarthy that he's been facing in these deals is his supporters have been saying he's on the verge of giving away too much to the Freedom Caucus that they believe that, that basically the Freedom Caucus is going to have too much power. And um, McCarthy rejected that idea. He rejected the idea when someone asked, would he be what they call a weaker speaker? And he said, no. He said, I'll only be a weaker speaker if I'm afraid of him. Well, that's a good comment. That's a bold comment. What he's basically saying is, I know who I have to work for. They're my people. And he's not, by the way, the speaker of the 200. He's the speaker for the 222 and the Democrats. At some point, he's got to keep the trains running on time, and he knows it, and that's going to mean working with all factions. Just the way it works. This is not a military environment. This is a political environment. So, anyway, good stuff there. Hey, uh, Boomer, I'll tell you what. Take us to the break. We'll do that right now. I'll come back and fill you in a little bit more. Tony from Piedmont saying these deals need to be written down on paper. They are, man. It was issued in writing. So I think we're going to be getting there. The question is, can he get just a few more that he needs. And I still believe this has been good for the long haul. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. So CNN reporting right now uh, that uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, made the comment that he believes that he will have the votes to be elected tonight. Uh, so I assume that means then that they adjourned uh, to a time certain this evening. So that means they're going to have uh, they're going to get a bite to eat, get in the the meeting rooms, and start hashing some things out. I probably hashing some things out with the final five. Um, and I would bet that the first meeting that has to happen is Scott Perry, the chair of the Freedom Caucus, head of the Freedom Caucus, has to go and meet with those five members and say, "What are you holding out for? What is it? What is it you want now?" And his comments earlier, by the way, indicated that he believes a few of them just have a flat-out personality conflict with Kevin McCarthy, and they just don't want him, period. That may be true. Um, At some point, though, you have to look at it. I mean, I go to court, and there are times when there's another lawyer in the room that I don't like personally, but I know that I have to work with them. There were times in the military that there were people there that I could just soon not have to deal with, and if we were out of uniform, I wouldn't be grilling burgers with them on a Saturday night, but I'll work with them during the day. Professionalism says you may have to do what's necessary at some point. Now, if they have a principled reason, I get it. If they're just holding out because of a personal grudge, it may be time to set it aside. But uh, McCarthy makes the point that he believes he will be able to get the final votes in by tonight. If that's the case, we'll seat the Congress. They'll probably all be sworn in and back at work on Monday. Um, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, procedurally, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, 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 I just, you know, I had somebody that texted me earlier, you know, um, Richard from Madison, about whether or not people missing reduce the number of the required votes. And, and like I said, I think part of that depends upon whether or not they are procedurally still considered on the roll, which is just an unusual circumstance you have to deal with. Um, there's a difference between adjournment and recess. So are they truly adjourned? I don't know if the press is using their own word. The formal word might be a recess. If you're recessed, then the role can still be considered active. If you're adjourned, you have to start a new role, I believe, when you come back. I don't know for a fact uh, how that works. Uh, I'm talking about the quorum role, not the, not the vote role. Um, the other question, though, is what happens with present votes? I don't know the answer to this. So I'm not trying to get out there and tell you I know this answer. And if one of my very astute listeners out there knows the answer, you're welcome to text it in, 833-687-4448. But here's the deal. In the version of parliamentary procedure that I'm most familiar with, the kind that we use in the Alabama State Senate, uh, an abstention would go with the majority. So you could choose not to support a bill or a confirmation or whatever was on the floor at the time. You could choose not to support it by abstaining, which I rarely ever did because, in my opinion— You know, you typically need to just make your position known. But there are times when you're not sure what's going on or it's a uh, non-substantive vote and you look at it and go, yeah, I'm I'm off the roll, man. I I don't know. I'm I'm going to have to wait for this one. And so you abstain. Abstentions then count with the majority. So we got to be careful here because abstentions, if, if, (laughs) if Kevin McCarthy has more votes than Hakeem Jeffries, then he can prevail with the, with, the, with the present votes, I believe, because I think present may count the same as an abstention. Again, I, I, am, I am spitballing with you right now, but there's a procedural aspect of this that says, what happens if those five decide, you know what, all right, listen, Scott, we said we're not voting for him, but we'll be glad to abstain, knowing full well that their abstention would then go with the majority and that McCarthy would have what he needs. Um, 
I don't know. Again, it depends on their version of procedure. Uh, and since I've not been a member of Congress, I can't tell you for a fact. The reason I brought that up, nationalreview.com, in a story that broke out uh, last night, uh, asked some of the same questions. Uh, that, that basically with these concessions being made and a deal coming into view, that the, the seats that are still filled, because we do have one seat unfilled, we had a, a Democrat from Virginia who passed away and they have not filled that seat yet, then that means there's 434 members active. 218 then required for the majority. But what happens when they vote present? Well, present votes don't work for McCarthy unless he gets more votes than Jeffries. Otherwise, they work for Jeffries, says the article from National Review. So, yeah, I do believe that's correct. I think the present votes counts as an abstention, which would then go with the majority. Isn't that, isn't that weird? I mean, you look at this stuff. This is, Boomer, I'm telling you, man, in Montgomery, if you knew the rules, you could get more done than anybody else. If somebody could know their bill, but they didn't know the rules, they weren't getting it passed. Well, that's something we were talking about during the break, you mentioned that to me, and you said something about, I mean, you said it really, really fast. And, <laughs> and, but it was like the motion, and then if people aren't paying attention, it could go quick, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you learn the rules in Montgomery and, and you were trying to, to, to reach an impasse that you weren't getting around people's votes, but you knew the right thing to say at the right time, you could, you could, you could jimmy up the works pretty good, man. You get up there and <laughs> you recognize a, uh, a procedural gap or people aren't paying attention. You're up there and just kind of talk. And this would happen. You'd be up there talking about your bill, presenting your bill. And then more than once, I walked up to a friend at the podium and I'd go, just stop talking and make the motion. Mm-hmm. And he'd look at me and go, oh. Um, Madam President, I move third reading. Third reading be dispensed with using the previous roll without objection. Uh, clerk would call the roll, and, and half the room would go, oh, crap, because they realize <laughs> that he just moved for final passage. And as soon wow. as the presiding chair uh, calls for the clerk to call the roll, debate is finished. And you just count the votes at that point. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's, it's, <laughs> it can be fun. It can be a hoot. All right, listen, congressional chess. There's going to be plenty to talk about. Monday, I'm sure we'll revisit it. If we see something else happen during today's show, we'll bring it up. Right now, they are adjourned. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is winning votes by making concessions. These are concessions that conservatives have been asking for for a long time. And I'm hopeful that we're about to see some uh, better work happening in the House. Um, That being said, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to the break right now. We're going to come back in a minute. Uh, Annette Funderburg, who is the president of Ingram State Technical College, is here with us right now. They have an amazing mission. I mean, this is not your usual brick-and-mortar school where everybody drives to the community college and takes classes. Uh-uh. This is the one that has the charter to make sure that there's an educational possibility in place for the prison population in the state of Alabama. And, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there's been some good things happening there. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to talk about it live in studio with Annette Funderburg. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national. We cover down on all of it. We are in hour number two. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I've told you guys constantly since this show began that uh, this show may point out things that we think could be done better, but it's not going to be a gripe session. I mean, this show is designed uh, to, to give you all that it takes to go have those water cooler conversations about not just the idea that um, conservatives should have a voice, but, but what it means to, to, to know the issues and to be able to talk through the issues and talk about why you believe what you believe, but then also at the same time to be solutions-based. I mean, I, I don't ever want to be a gripe session where we're just like, oh, complain, complain. No, I mean, what I want to do is make sure that we as conservatives are, are seen as being you know, meaningfully engaged and, uh, and also, by the way, uh, pointing out what's right. You know, in our, in our state prison system, too often you wind up hearing the negatives. The press headlines are always pointing out, you know, this thing went wrong or that construction isn't started yet or what's happening over here or the facilities aren't enough or whatever. But you know what? There's some amazing good stories that are happening. You also hear the same in education. Sometimes the education rankings aren't where you want them to be or what are we going to do about school choice or all these things are happening. Let me tell you about two stories that overlap both those boundaries. Um, it's, it's, it's J.F. Ingram State Technical College. You've literally got the prison population of the state of Alabama having a world-class opportunity for education because of a piece of the Alabama educational system. And right here in the studio is someone who I've been pleased to know for a few years, <laughs> um, uh, Annette Funderburk. Uh, she and I got to know each other in Montgomery when I was serving in the Senate, and she was working for the community college system. Um, Annette Funderburk, she currently serves as the president of Ingram State Technical College. Uh, she was appointed president in 2018 uh, after serving a year as interim prior to that. Uh, she worked for nine years prior to that with the Alabama community college system, the two-year system. And... Uh, and she served for 10 years in county administration in Tallapoosa and Talladega counties. She's got a master's in public administration from Troy University, and she's heavily involved in a number of um, civic uh, organizations in and around Prattville and, and around the state. And she's right now, by the way, the president uh, of the uh, uh, Alabama Community College Systems Presidents Association. I am. So with all that said, <laughs> hey, Annette Funderburg, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. What a great pleasure it is to be here and, and visit with you today and talk about the Ingram story and the opportunities that we're offering our students. Well, Ingram is a story. I mean, you know, I spent eight years in Montgomery, and there were times when I sort of knew and sort of didn't. <laughs> um, you and I would work on budget issues. You'd come by, you know, doing what you did to advocate on behalf of your department or to talk about something you cared about in a piece of legislation. Um, but then when you moved on to Ingram State, it caught my attention. I was like, what is Ingram State? Mm. And, and you and I did a podcast together, what, about mm -hmm. three years ago? Mm -hmm. um, back when I was just, just a little old podcaster <laughs> before we had Right Side Starting Radio. Starting out early, yeah. right. Talking into a can. <laughs> um, 
But uh, Ingram State has a cool story. And I think the people of this state need to know what's happening sometimes. And too often the headlines don't give you the big story. Um, so tell us about Ingram State for a minute. Okay. Well, we are fortunate in Alabama to be forward thinking. And our legislature has the, um, the great opportunity of thinking about that. Established in 1965, uh, J.F. Ingram State Technical College was de- uh, developed to exclusively serve Alabama's incarcerated population. So that's all that we do. It's solely Alabama's incarcerated population. We partner with the Department of Corrections in doing that and the Bureau of Pardons and Parole. We are a, a, um, an accredited community college, uh, one of the 24 Alabama community colleges. We serve under the Board of Trustees, the Alabama Community College System Board of Trustees, and certainly um, I have the pleasure of working under uh, and with Chancellor Jimmy Baker in doing that. Um, we, we currently uh, have just consolidated all of those prison uh, education facilities in Alabama and serve 17 of Alabama's prisons, 12 of Alabama Bureau and Pardons and Parole facilities, and 20 of Alabama's counties. So we're statewide. We serve from uh, Limestone Correctional Facility all the way south to Loxley Correctional Facility and Fountain Correctional Facility in Escambia County. So we're excited to be in all 17 prisons in the north and the south. And and you told me that on the way up here today to the studio, which, by the way, thanks for coming to studio because I think it makes the interview that much more engaging. But uh, on your way up here, you actually stopped at St. Clair County Correctional Facility, which is uh, a major facility. It is. A, it's a maximum correctional facility uh, in the Department of Corrections. Um, and we are blessed to have and serve the students there, uh, even, it's, even though it's a maximum five. A correctional facility. Um, we have three programs there, uh, great uh, instructors. We have uh, masonry there, we have electrical, and we have welding, and we'll be offering carpentry there as soon as we can find an instructor. So <laughs> if there's a carpentry instructor out there willing to work at St. Clair Correctional Facility, please locate uh, and, and talk to me. I'd, I'd love to hire you. Actually, I know two people here in the area that I might need to let you know about I'd, before we get I'd, done. I'd because, love to hire Because they are actually carpentry instructors, yes. and uh, I would not be a bit surprised if they weren't interested. Um, yes. Uh, so, I mean, it's funny because I hear the lingo you're actually speaking the lingo of the prison system and the lingo of the education system at both times. I mean, I, I can tell by some of the buzzwords you use right. that, that this is the way y'all talk every day, but you've got to know both. I mean, when you just labeled, what'd you call it, maximum five, you said? Mm-hmm. So you just labeled uh, a correctional facility by its correctional facility designation, but at the right. same time, you're talking about what you're doing through education processes. Right. We really serve um, in, in three different agencies, if you will. So, um, you know, our college is through the community college system, um, and then we serve both the Department of Corrections, so we work closely with Commissioner Ham and his divisions there, uh, but certainly we work with the Bureau on Pardons and Parole with many parolees across the state of Alabama, and we work with uh, Cam Ward, Director Cam Ward, and his his yeah. uh, different programs there. Uh, we are proud that we have the Thomasville Day Reporting Center that uh, used to be, you may know it as Life Tech oh, yeah. uh, in Thomasville. It is currently a day reporting center and for the Bureau of Pardons and Parole, and we are building a facility inside Perry Correctional Facility okay. in Perry County. So those will be two residential day reporting centers that will serve parolees uh, once they are um Upon release, it will be reentry centers uh, that we will have technical programming. 
And that's what we focus on at Ingram. We offer long and short-term certificates for technical programming. So uh, 20 different programs, you're, you would be thinking of welding, uh, barbering for the men, cosmetology for the women, um, HVAC, industrial maintenance, plumbing, um, uh, electrical, auto body, auto service technology. For the women, we offer logistics, supply chain management. Yeah. We also have that in our men's facilities as well. So we are excited to offer programming at Tutwiler for the ladies there at Tutwiler. Um, so many different programming all over the state. We are focused on our students return once they're released. And we do only serve those that are about to be released. Um, those that are going to be released from Alabama's prisons, we prepare them with a two-year degree where they can exit with a high-wage, high-demand uh, job. And then we have a job placement team yeah. that works all over the state of Alabama that works for and places them a job where they can be uh, in the program in which they've just graduated. You said something to me in that podcast we did years ago that stuck with me ever since. You said the vast majority of the prison population in Alabama is going to be released at some point. That's correct. And, and you think about prisoners, you just think about them being put away. You don't always think about them getting out. And when they get out, there's this word called recidivism, which I've, right. you know, I've, I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, uh, recidivism is basically the recurrence of the criminal activity that got them there in the first place and sends them right back into the system. And um, this is a means of reducing recidivism. It's a, giving them a, a gainful opportunity for employment, a, a wage-earning job, uh, a, a way to support their family, Um can actually keep them out of the prison system. It really does. And with education, adult basic education and career and technical high-wage, high-demand programming, it can change their lives. It reduces recidivism rate for, for, by 43% mm. from those that would normally, in three years, return to prison. Taxpayers want, if we're going to spend money on uh, prisons, which Alabama's taxpayers do, yeah. what you want is to reduce that. You do not want them to come back to prison. Providing career and technical programming through Ingram State Technical College allows these individuals to exit prison with an opportunity of work and a value to Alabama's taxpayers. And I can just tell you, my, my experience uh, in the Senate, uh, I can remember giving this, this statistic multiple times in speeches to constituents, was that the, the second most expensive piece of the general fund budget was the correction system. Sure. And, and, and if you're doing something to meaningfully reduce, I mean, it's not like you're turning people out and just setting them free and reducing their sentences. We're talking about when they get out anyway. Right. If you're meaningfully giving them an opportunity to not want to reengage crime. Right. Then you're, you're meaningfully actually reducing the cost of the taxpayer. Well, many of our success stories and, and our students that have exited and, and once they've graduated and then reentered society have told me, I have benefits. I have a job. Ingram has helped me get a job. They've helped me get a place to stay. And then I've got a job that I make a living wage with benefits. Yeah. Many of them have said, I've never had insurance before. Yeah. I've never been able to go to the dentist before. And this job provides not only that, but a retirement. Yeah. It makes it makes generational changes. It, it changes generational poverty. 
Well, I tell you what, we got to take our first break while you're here. Uh, so, Boomer, go ahead and run us to the break, bro. And uh, we'll do that. Listen, you're, you're listening to Annette Funderburg. She's the president of Ingram State Technical College. This is, a, this is like one of the best-kept secrets of the educational and correctional systems in the state of Alabama. And I guarantee you we're going to hear some success stories from her anecdotally here in a few minutes. But we'll talk about it. You guys stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right saving the world one soundbite at a time uh hey listen we are back in studio right now with annette funderberg she's the president of jf ingram state technical college uh, and they have the unique mission of being the education pipeline uh for the prison population in the state of alabama and, and i gotta tell you annette um i was getting my hair cut uh <laughs> gosh it's been some years back but i was sitting there getting my hair cut and my barber he had you know, his certificate hanging on the wall next to the chair and just, you know, being conversationalized. I said, well, hey, so-and-so, uh, where'd you get your certificate to, uh, to become a barber one day? I was just trying to be nice. He goes, well, Phil, actually in prison. And I went, oh, <laughs> as he held a sharp object to my head. But, uh, but, but the reality was he told me, he said it was a game changer. He now owns a barbershop and has like four other barbers working for him. That's wonderful. And that's exactly yeah, that's what y'all are trying to do, story. right? Exactly. We do not want them to return to prison. I tell them all the time, our students, when I visit with them, uh, used to be white. They used to wear white uniforms. But we tell them now, I don't want to see you again in, in khaki. They wear khaki <laughs> uniforms now. I want you to come back in, in professional uh, attire and talk to our students and tell them what it's like yeah. to return to society, be, become a taxpayer, uh, pay back you know, your dues to what you've done. Um, we always say that it, that makes the difference to somebody uh, to come back and give back to them. It gives a sense of meaning. It does. Uh, and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask you this. You guys are not traditional brick and mortar, but do you have brick and mortar? I mean, are you a standalone facility somewhere, or is it all out in the different uh, uh, prisons uh, where they do the actual training and the teaching? It is all out in the prisons or with the day reporting centers across Alabama okay. for the Bureau of Pardons and Parole. So our our campuses are adjacent to or actually inside each of the prisons. Okay. So um, if you, you might have, a, a, like, example, Frankly Work Release Center. Our main campus is next to Frankly Work Release Center just north of Millbrook. Okay. Um, uh, Draper and Staten and Elmore Correctional Facilities, we have a campus there. We have a campus uh, adjacent to uh, um, Tutwiler Correctional Facility. Um, alternatively, at Bibb Correctional Facility, we are inside the brick and mortar there of, of the facility prison compound, and we have four programs there, um, which uh, we have close to 30 inmates in each of those programs, and 
across our college, the first program for our students is offered at no charge for an educational waiver. That allows them to attend that long and short-term certificate program um, at no charge, uh, where they can come out and get a job based on that particular program. We receive that funding from Alabama's legislature, uh, as well as receiving grant funds from the federal government for those programming. Okay. So you guys uh, are doing all this. Uh, is it the same program at every facility? Or do, what, what happens if somebody says, well, I got a little bit of a background in HVAC, but you don't offer it at that facility? What do they do? Well, the Department of Corrections works with us. Um, and oftentimes, if there's not an enemy uh, inside the, the facility in which they might be going to or wanting to transfer from, to or from, the Department of Corrections works well with us to transfer those students from one to the other. Um, We do not offer the same programs because we do not have the same space in each of the facilities. Uh, So what we want to do is offer varying programs at varying places so that wherever they are, they can still have an opportunity. Uh, We do participate in the Second Chance Pell program, which is provided by the U.S. Department of Education. So if a student completes one program, program through a second chance Pell uh, grant and and loan, they can then go to a second program. And that's our goal. While they're incarcerated to receive, uh, allow them to receive as much education as they can, whether the the state of Alabama provides it or they, they pay for it themselves, enter into the world of work with as many certificates. Ingram also offers a Fort Lift certificate to each of our graduates, as well as the OSHA 10 certification for all of our graduates. Oh, wow. That's good stuff. And and let me ask you this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, y'all also do GED training. Is that correct? We do. Because I'm sure you have a lot of folks that, that wind up being in the system that don't even have a high school diploma. Abs- absolutely. Last year, we had over 500 enroll in just the GED program. And that was really before we finished our consolidation. So as we have moved throughout the state of Alabama and increased that enrollment, we expect to enroll as many as 1,000 in the GED and uh, adult basic education programming for next year, for the year that we're in. Wow. Mm -hmm. This interview is going too fast. We're about to wind up taking a break again. (laughs) Uh, When we come back, I got to tell you, um, I want to, I want to jump into where y'all are going to be in terms of the new construction we keep hearing about with your prisons. Uh, And I'd also love to hear some of the good news stories that I know you've, you've experienced because you told me some of them three years ago. Yes. And I guarantee you there's been some more since then. Am I right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, Well, listen, folks, if you're not, if you're not familiar, you can go look it up, by the way, they're online. You can find them. J.F. Ingram, that's I-N-G-R-A-M, J.F. Ingram, State Technical College. This is the this is the 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 system. This this is what Alabama has provided to make sure that the prison population is not just being left there to to fester and rot. We've got to provide a means for them to find a better, more productive avenue of life, and and this is one of them. Education is certainly one of them, and and this is a major program. Part of it being funded with your taxpayer dollars, and it's worth knowing about. And by the way, it's good news. All right, folks. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. More of this with Annette Funderburg. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right-side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show is down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. And uh, back in studio right now with uh, my friend Annette Funderburk, uh, president of Ingram State Technical College. If you haven't heard part of the interview so far, Ingram State is, uh, is literally a, um, uh, a gym in the Alabama system. Uh, not a brick-and-mortar school. It's the one that goes out to where the prisoners are and gives them an opportunity to gain uh, uh, an education that hopefully will keep them off the streets and gainfully employed across the state of Alabama or beyond. Um, let me ask you something, uh, Annette. So we, we've got um, a lot of headlines about the building of the new system, the new prison system, um, the new facilities. Three super prisons. Um, a lot of our facilities are aging. Uh, I toured St. Clair, where you were today, mm-hmm. a while back. Uh, and, Lord, I mean, that you talk about a facility that's seen <laughs> its prime. Um, and, and some of them are because of the overpopulation or because of the aging facilities or whatever. They're just not considered as safe as they should be. Uh, we're, we got staffing issues in some of them with our, our, our corrections uh, uh, officers, um, not having enough of them. And so the hope is that, uh, I guess, building these three new super facilities will consolidate some of that, uh, make it more manageable, more safe. Where do you all fall into that? Well, we are very fortunate that um, through the good work that we are doing at Ingram, uh, our faculty and our staff really are proving that our students are going out there and getting jobs. The legislature believes in us. Um, through the, the direction of Commissioner Ham and Chancellor Baker, we are included in the two mega mega prisons that they are really that are on board now. Yeah. Um, Elmore and Escambia counties, and um, we we have been in talks and co- conversations with them that Ingram will be inside the mega prison compound um, to offer technical programming in both of those prisons. Is it two on the slate right now? I two. thought there were three total. We're talking about, but two are actually actually out for bid right now. Is that well, right? I I. I can't speak about where they are in that process. Okay. Um, all I all I can say is that um, through great work of the legislature uh, and partnering with uh, with the Department of Corrections and and the community college system, we are um, included in. And, and having conversations with those at this point, the Elmore and Escambia. Early on when all this was going on uh, and the development of the plans, uh, I had an opportunity to go and, and actually view some of the plans. Um, who was doing it? Was it Whore Management, I think, was actually working that? Yeah. And they, they allowed some of us from the Policy Institute to come in and have a, you know, a, a, a review of what's happening. And I remember watching them as they laid it out. They were actually telling us where the educational facility Because mm-hmm. part of the plan here is to make sure y'all had enhanced facilities for what you do. Absolutely. And I think uh, under Commissioner Ham's uh, guidance and direction, I think the idea is to offer wonderful programming uh, to return these students and and, and 
and um, involved citizens, justice involves citizens too, back to society with being re rehabilitated. You can't do that unless you offer programming across the, 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 the new sites. So it, we have been in, involved in all, all phases of these conversations, and I expect that we will continue to be um, and have adequate space in both of the mega prisons. Um, also at Elmore Correctional Facility, you may or may not know that Ingram has the responsibility of serving Alabama's incarcerated population that are 21 and younger that were sentenced as an adult. Mm. So we have a high school in, in our Elmore County facility okay. now, yeah. um, and that facility also will be moving to the mega prison as well. Wow. Okay. So uh, you've also got an apprenticeship program. You and I were talking offline about that, which sounds very cool, uh, which is kind of cutting edge too, if I'm not mistaken. It is. We are so excited. Actually, we started with our first five students doing that yesterday. We worked with Alabama Office of Apprenticeship to have a federally and state registered apprenticeship program in diesel mechanics. Um, and we have partnered with Four Star Freightliner, which is a um, diesel company um, in Montgomery area, in the central Alabama area. They have three or four locations, one in Montgomery, Auburn, and Dothan, and they are willing to hire our students. Uh, so we the way that it works is they will take the first semester of Diesel Mechanic, um, four-star Freightliner will then come in and interview them and select one, two, or five, ever how many they want to start with, um, and then they will go to work actually at four-star Freightliner. We only work with the work release population, so in, uh, in our language, we call those minimum out, so they have an opportunity just like anyone else that's in work release, to, to they're housed or in a residential facility, and then they have the minimum release to go out every day and go to work. So when we partner with Four Star Freightliner, that will allow our students to exit each day and earn a living wage. Yeah. A living wow. wage, which benefits the student, also benefits the Department of Corrections because the Department of Corrections will um, allow, they will earn part of that the, the student then gives the money back, 40% of that, to the Department of Corrections for their, their living expenses. Wow. Many of them will then have an opportunity to pay restitution as well as send money back to their families. That's a win-win right there. That's huge. As far as we know, we can't find any other college in the United States that offers this type of apprenticeship program where the students can leave prison and go to work earn a living wage, and then uh, Four Star is willing to hire them directly when they're, when they're released. That's, that's, that's amazing. And I, and I know, you, don't you have welding certificates also? I mean, We do. I mean, look at what, what the, the, the wage they can earn in the boatyards down there in Mobile or something like that with a welding certificate. Or for that matter, I told you the story about the barber. Mm -hmm. um, tell me some of the story. You've got stories. I, I do know have got stories. stories. I, I mean, do. So, so <clears throat> as we hear about all this and we talk through the jargon and the technicals and whether you're going to be in the new mega prisons, what does it mean to the life? Tell me, tell me about some of the stories. Well, one of our, um, one of our students participated in a logistics program. I explained that earlier. That's uh, that's something like a supply chain management program, or yeah. that is a supply chain management. So in that program, not only do we offer a short and long-term educational certificate, but we also offer credentials. And with those credentials, um, he earned a certificate logistics associate um, and a certified logistics technician uh, certificate. And he re-entered society in August of 2022, and on August the 24th of 2022, he began work as a logistician maintenance technician in Montgomery. 
Since then, he has earned a $5 pay increase, <laughs> and his responsibilities have increased as well. He, he I, I would like to quote him, if I may, and he said he is so appreciative of the opportunities afforded to him through Ingram. He, um, he, Ingram has helped him from the beginning to now. Um, the the uh, logistics instructor, Mr. Holloway, teaches him about logistics. Our career coach uh, helped him find a place to live, and our job placement coordinator helped him get an interview. We helped him get the clothes that he needed for the interview. We helped wow. him write his resume for the interview. He was then hired, and and he the the place where he works is fifteen minute walk from where his um, where he will be staying after he was released. He says e- Ingram even brought me tools and ordered my birth certificate from Georgia oh. so that he could get an official ID to cash his check. Ingram really believes in me, and for what I for that I am grateful. Without Ingram's help, I do not know where I would be. Um, and he he has recently purchased a car and plans to continue to stay there for a very very long time. See, that's just that's that's beyond an education. It's like I told a student the other day, um, Ingram is more than college. It is college, or it is getting your high school diploma, but it's more than that. It's providing an opportunity of hope, providing an opportunity for these students to reenter society and pave a way for them to make a living for their families. It makes a difference. Our fathers need to be fathers. Our mothers need to be mothers. And providing a way for them to return and, be, and, and have a taxpayer uh, benefit. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's huge. And... And I, I guarantee you it goes beyond. But, but I love the fact that, that literally it didn't stop with the certificate. It, right. was, it was helping him write the resume, even helping pick out the clothes for his interview, and then even finding him a place to live and then job placement because I'm sure that there's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit nervous, nerve-wracking, I'm sure, for somebody with his background to go try and get an interview and to have somebody help him get the interview is a leg up right there. Absolutely. Uh, um, another graduate of, of the plumbing program, uh, was released uh, with his journeyman license that he received there at Ingram. We also offer OSHA 10 cards as well. And and I said earlier that we um, last year we offered uh, we we four, 222 received forklift certificates of yeah. our students. Um, but this particular student uh, uh, entered a entry level plumbing job. A week after he was released, he was interviewed while he was at Ingram. And upon, upon his revo- relo- uh, arrival at home, he resided with his mother and worked at that particular company for three months. Then he was offered a position with another plumbing company where he met his fiance, And at the same time, he uh, was able to get another raise at that second position. Now he gives money to his fiance. He provides for his kids, which he wasn't doing before he was in prison Mm. or while he was in prison. And now he's able to give up to $500 a month to his mother um, to help her. And he says it's it's changed his life. It's changed his life. And that's what um, that's what we're about. I don't, you know, I, I would imagine that there's other presidents in the community college system who have some neat stories. But I can't imagine them, you know, having the same level of uh, life-changing stories that you get to have. Oh, oh, it's just, uh, it's just, it's heartwarming. It proves that Alabama knows what's what we're doing in correctional education. 
um, Alabama's legislature's forward thinking and knowing that this makes a difference. If we're going to have to pay for uh, and fund the corrections department and the education department, yeah. we ought to fund them and, and provide programming. And, and Alabama does a great job. I'm very appreciative of our legislature. I'm very appreciative to what the chancellor does to lead our college, be forward thinking and consolidating corrections education under Ingram. Uh, we have an opportunity uh, to work with Commissioner um, Ham, Director Ward, um, Director Ward has got so many great ideas in these day reporting centers to offer GED services, to offer career and technical programming. We hope to offer our CDL program that we also offer yeah. to the minimum out yeah. um, across the state. Uh, we are built, currently building a, a CDL pad at our Thomasville campus um, in, in South Alabama where the, the parolees will have an opportunity then to get their CDL uh, to see CDL license. Uh, this is this is all cool stuff. Well, listen, we're going to come back and talk about funding as we wrap this up. We're going to take our last break. Uh, we're here with uh, Annette Funderburg. She is the president of J.F. Ingram State Technical College. And I'm going to tell you right now, if your heart has not been somewhat warmed by the idea that we're doing something good to help people better their lives and actually keep them off the taxpayer dime, uh, then you, you, you need to get warmed up in general. Uh, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Hey, listen, we're going to go right back now to our conversation, sort of wrapping things up with uh, Annette Funderburg. She's the president of Ingram State Technical College uh, with a mission to uh, reduce recidivism, but really to change lives by providing an educational opportunity for Alabama's prison population. That is this, and by the way, she's got a whole lot more cool stories than what we've had a chance to talk about now. <laughs> but, um, but, but the, but the truth of the matter is, you guys do what you do. Um, it, it sounds like a bit more than just a job. It's kind of a calling, is what it sounds like. Um, it certainly is. I'm so blessed to be the president of Ingram. I tell the other 23 presidents that I have the best job. <laughs> I, you know, uh, they can be a president of a, a traditional community college, and they do wonderful things across the state. We have a wonderful community college system, but but mine's the best, and I <laughs> and I have the best job. Uh, really, uh, an opportunity to as I mentioned earlier, to provide hope to those that may have felt like they've lost hope. Yeah. Uh, but, but no one, education is something that no one can take away from you. And, huh. and once you've, once you've gathered that and gained that within yourself, that's yours. That's, 
You have earned it. Yeah. You take it wherever you're going. And um, so our students reenter society with that education and have an opportunity. Our most popular program across the system, across our colleges, uh, across our campuses, excuse me, is welding. And HVAC is right behind that. And yeah. we can place, I tell our students all the time, we can place students uh, in jobs in welding and HVAC all across the state of Alabama. Um, but of the 20, uh, welding and HVAC is the, are the most popular. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I did see, by the way, on your website when I was getting ready for the show, and I got I haven't even had to use my material, I, but <laughs> but um, but I saw that you guys have a foundation. I did not know that. I mean, I used to see y'all written into the budgets uh, right. when I was in Montgomery. Uh, you and I had our podcast, you know, a few years ago where I learned more about what you do. But I just learned literally today by going through the material that I pulled off uh, to get ready for the show. Um, that you guys actually have a foundation. I saw a golf tournament being done to raise money for it. Tell us about that. We did. We had a, a successful golf tournament in October, and we our foundation is a 501c3 where they have the opportunity um, to to um, the foundation provides things for our students that the we cannot use state funds for. So we do receive state funds from the legislature as right. well as federal funds um, for uh, the the classes, the equipment. Um, the programming, building, those kinds of things. But we do not have an opportunity to spend uh, those types of funds for clothing for our students. Sometimes we purchase uh, a gift card for them to buy gas from, oh, wow. so that they can get to work for the first week right after they're um, out of out of um, been reentered into society. Another very important purchase that we can do through our foundation is the purchase of a, a birth certificate or a um, their their state ID or their driving license. Um, many times, of course, uh, if you're incarcerated, you you go in with without any documentation. Well, we can't help you get a job if you don't have any ID. Wow. So we, we that foundation allows them to do that. So um, our golf tournament is in October. We normally have a, a foundation dinner in April or May, and we'll have that again this year. But we are certainly seeking uh, grant funding as well as any t- other type of sponsorships for our foundation to provide these types of benefits for our students. Um, and once they're released, we offer for them up to $250 worth of tools where they would of what they of the program that they will be entering for the job to get those tools the job uh, their their supervisor at that position has to write us a letter and tell us that they are employed and then we take the job the, the tools to the job site so that they have those wow. there. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So is your foundation is it actually a 501 then? It is. It's 501c3. Mhm. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Mm-hmm. We're so excited to offer them. Uh, oftentimes, like I said earlier, they don't they don't have the clothes. I mean, once they've been released, they have the clothes that they had when they when yeah. they were entered into prison. Sometimes that was ten years ago. Wow. Yeah. Uh, without any documentation, so there are many things like that. We've received um, different types of grants from foundations across Alabama, uh, and we're we're seeking opportunities for more grant funding. Well, uh, this has been uh, this has been huge. So. Uh, literally, I saw an article last last week. When we ended up the, the year, my last show of 2022, I decided I was going to do my last segment of the day just on nothing but good news stories. So we, we called it Ending on a Good Note. And um, and one of them was, uh, I think it's at Lipscomb State University in Tennessee, mm-hmm. had a big graduation ceremony. And I thought, 
Oh yeah, Annette yes, Funderburg. Wait yes. a minute. Think of Tennessee's us. got nothing on us. <laughs> That's right. Um, but That's uh, right. but thank you so much for for being available today. This is this has been uh, this has been good, and um, I know my audience. I'm I'm pretty sure some of them are out there listening, wondering how best to find out where your foundation is. So if they want to, if they want to support you, where do we go? Absolutely, our website is istc.edu, and you can donate to our foundation right there on our website. Okay. Tax deductible and everything. Tax deductible. Yeah, yes, that's sir. just cool. Well, Annette Funderburg, thank you for what you do. Thank you. And uh, years of service to the state. Uh, thank we you. appreciate you, and thanks for being available today. Thank you very much. All right, glad to be here, folks. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. And um, listen, we'll 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 do those things continually because, like I said before, I want you guys to know the good stuff going on around you. Uh, Annette Funderburg, Ingram State Technical College, doing good things. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams live in the Right Side studios, the local, the state, the national, all the issues, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hour number three on Friday. In fact, we got uh, Boomer. You got to hit the. You got to hit the explosion for me, man. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Hey, listen. The text lines are open. Uh, we've got uh, a number of people that were already texting in about the interview we just did with uh, Annette Funderburk from uh, Ingram State. Um, one of them, Brenda from Rogersville, just texted in and said. Um, uh, uh, so listen to your radio show. I'd like to know what percent of those prisoners return to prison after we pay for their community college. It's probably real low. And, and I, I agree. I think, I think she did give a stat early in the interview, I believe, that indicates that recidivism is much lower in those who receive a, uh, a, uh, a life skill, a, a job, a certification, if you will. Um, and you can imagine. I mean, oh. it's, it's, but, I, but you know, at the same time, they're going to be in prison no matter what. And the idea, you have to look at it philosophically. Do you want prison to be a place where we just store them? Or do you want prison to be a place where we restore them? I just coined that phrase just Ooh, now. Ooh, that was good. I just did that. Good job. That just happened. Wow. I don't. Somebody needs to put that on a, on a campaign poster for the uh, foundation. For <laughs> Anyway, uh, Brian from Huntsville also just texted and said, I like this. A hand up is better than a hand out. Mm. Uh, agree. Um, I mean, how cool is it that they're they're giving them the chance to walk back out once they are done with their sentence, to walk back out into something that they can do and be um, like prosperous at? I mean, they're, they're, something that they're going to be good at and know that they're going to have a job. I mean, how cool is that? 
Yeah, it's the way it should be. Yeah, really. absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, they're 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 living out their sentence, which they should. They should absolutely. But again, to restore them and get them back into society and say, hey, here's your next chance. This yeah. is what we're going to do to help you. Yeah, and, I mean, and wow. And you know, and, and I'll tell I'll tell you, there's two things that I think um, uh, that that probably work to uh, reduce recidivism more than anything that that, that it could possibly do. One is um, uh, faith, and the other is education. Mm. Uh, I think those two things are probably primary in terms of uh, having an effective ability to reduce recidivism. Um, you know, Boomer, you and I both go to Church of the Highlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Church of the Highlands has a big uh, prison ministry. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's it's very effective. And and I love the fact that every week our pastor always says, you guys are not a number to us, you're part of our church family. And how many times have we seen somebody get out of prison and just come to church on Sunday morning because they've been going to Highlands technically <laughs> where they where they were incarcerated. Right. But, I, but I'll never forget, it's been a few years ago, one of the former um, um, uh uh, commissioners of the uh, correction system. Um, he and I were talking, and I told him, I said, "By the way, uh, we were talking about. I was a senator. He was the corrections commissioner, and I and I, but I, I had a personal moment there to, to talk to him. And I said, "Hey, I want to let you know, by the way, as a member of Church of the Highlands, how much I appreciate the fact that you allow that ministry, and and it's very significant. It's a very significant ministry, y'all. It's not a little bit. And um, I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he goes, "I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know what I would do without Church of the Highlands." Mm. Wow, and uh, and then you know, and then you look at what Ingram State's doing, uh, and 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 providing an opportunity for people to not only get an education, but then they they actually go out there and they raise money, they hold golf tournaments and do things to try and to, to do what it takes to get them the twenty dollar gas card to drive to their job interview, plus the clothes and the tools. I mean, for the yeah. love. Wow, that's just that's just cool. That's really cool. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, Juan from Newmarket just texted in and helped me with the stat. He believes she said forty three percent. I think that's right. Um, I think there's a 43% reduction in recidivism. I mean, you're looking at almost half. It cuts it in half. That's, that's good. Thanks, Juan. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Bob from Decatur says, I love your new coin phrase. That's, that must be my... <laughs> I, the new coin phrase. I'm going to I'm gonna have to text her and tell her that I accidentally coined a phrase. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, prison. Is it where we store them or restore them? And that's, uh, that's, that's big doings. Mm. All right, man. Listen, we're going to move to number three of the Triple Dipper. John from Huntsville cannot give me any grief as I <laughs> wind up the week. You're going, you're going for number three I'm today. doing it. I'm going Woo-hoo. all the way. I will, I will do an aside here and point out, uh, let me jump back into my conservative <laughs> credo here. Um, I'm watching up on the screens. Uh, the, we, 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 have, we have the big screens on the wall here in the studio and of course, uh, the right screen is Fox. The left screen is CNN, which I always say that is appropriate. So the left screen being CNN, um, uh, Adam Kinzinger. Wow. Former U.S. representative, it says, Adam Kinzinger is now doing his f- job as a new political pundit for CNN. <laughs> Go figure. Hmm. I mean, could we not have predicted that? I'm pretty sure that was predicted. I think actually Tucker Carlson predicted that like a few weeks ago. He said Adam Kinzinger will probably get out of Congress and go be a pundit on CNN, and here he is, um, <laughs> just grinning, just looking happy to be there. Welcome to the show, former Representative Kinzinger. We don't care what you have to say. Um, the uh, the other thing we talked about a lot the last few days is what I've been calling congressional chess, and congressional chess is the moving of the pieces on the board 
trying to get there, trying to trying to move it to the point of checkmate where you can get, you know, the dissenters, uh, which I agree with, by the way. I've been for the dissenters on this thing. Um, and I've also been for the idea of open, honest, and transparent debate. Actual debate. Lord, for the love. When's the last time anybody remembers watching Congress on TV and seeing members sitting in their seats, not voting by proxy, actually debating something of substance and having a chance to deal with it and then doing an actual roll call vote. I mean, that's the way government's supposed to work. And the fact that it didn't happen the first day on the first vote, yay, that's the way it's supposed to work too. You want to know that a bill or a motion or a, a matter of substance like selecting the next Speaker of the House that it's not just a cakewalk done deal because the bosses told you what you had to do. So what I'm what I am looking forward to here is for the next two years at the very least, we're looking at we've got rules changes in place, we've got committee assignments now in place, and we've got the opportunity to stymie some of the spending and do things differently than what conservatives have ever had a chance to affect in the last few. And, oh, by the way, keep this in mind, y'all, those of y'all that are worried about them changing the rules on us, they're going to backtrack. They're going to they're stab us in the back. I don't think so. But here's the other thing. They also just learned the hard way over the last two days that if you cross the Freedom Caucus right now, they've got the numbers to slow things down. And they will. And if you want to be the do-nothing Congress that gets nothing done, well, just try and cross the people who just showed you for the last two or three days that they are serious and they mean business. That in essence, it's a new day in Congress because the conservative caucus, the Freedom Caucus, has just made itself known in a big, big way and gained some amazing concessions. And then, with the exception of a few, which I believe will have enough that will switch their votes, I think Matt Gates and Lauren Biebert probably never will. Um, but, uh, but the others, I, I suspect we're going to wind up seeing a vote tonight. McCarthy thinks he has the votes for tonight, we hear, uh, if that happens. Uh, we'll see. But I think what you're going to find is there's going to be honor and integrity here. The Freedom Caucus chairman, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, just said a while ago, when you ask for concessions and they give it to you, then it's time to go ahead and give them your vote. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's professionalism. So um, those of y'all that are concerned, uh, I think it's time to go ahead and recognize at some point you got to, you got to, you know, you got to get moving. And, um, the fact that we may have these concessions is exactly what we were holding out for. Boomer, I tell you what, man, let's go ahead and take the break about a minute and a half early. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back, and I'm jumping into number three of the Triple Dipper. It's good stuff, man. It's Adventures in Woke World. What a way to end the week. And I got something that'll just curl your hair. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right making it cool to be a conservative 
Hey, um, we, we got we got to go to this next segment now. And the first headline I've got is almost hard to get through, but uh, it is uh, one of my favorite segments. It's when I go in through the news, resourcing the show, and I begin to find story after story that is just so woke, so liberal, so crazy that you look at it and go, yep, it is time. Apparently, I have a buffet, a veritable, a veritable plethora, a cornucopia, if you will, of wokeness. And so, yes, it's time for another round of Adventures in Woke World. Hit it, Boomer. Adventures in Woke World. <laughs> okay. So the first one, right out the gate, the one that, 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 that kicked all this off. I'm going to read the headline. The headline alone should make you just go, what? All right, so here's the headline. New York Post dated uh, two days ago. Kay LeClaire, the non-binary art collective boss accused of faking her Native American heritage. <laughs> I kid you not. Boomer's laughing. <laughs> I'll read it again. Her name is Kay LeClaire. Okay. Non-binary art collective boss accused of faking Native American heritage. How many levels of wokeism could I have in one headline? First of all, she's non-binary, which means she's got a gender identity situation going on where she wants to be referred to as they, them, because she's not one or the other. She's certainly not. Surely she couldn't be biologically a female. Anyway, non-binary. And then she's an art collective boss. Okay, I guess that's, okay, art collective boss, I guess that's a, a trade. But uh, nonetheless, there she is, art collective boss. I won't leave that one, you know, I won't, I won't chase that one too far. But then she's accused, accused, accused of faking a Native American heritage. I kid you not. Okay, so here's the deal. Here, here's the way the opening paragraph reads from the New York Post. The co-owner of a queer indigenous artist collective. By the way, it's not, it's not just, it's not just an art collective. It's a queer indigenous artist collective. What the heck, man? Wait, I thought that was one of those words that we're not allowed to say, and they wrote it in there. I, when I was a kid, I was not allowed to call people queer, but now that's a thing. I'm reading it. It's I mean, I played that game when I was younger, so. Don't say that. Uh, yes. Um, so the non-binary, okay, the co-owner of a queer indigenous artist collective in Wisconsin is facing accusations of being white. How dare you? I'm accusing you of being white. Boomer and I get accused of being cis white males all the time. Cis white males is what we are. I don't even know what that means. Cis white. That means I'm a straight white dude is what it means, I think, right? Um, anyway, it's facing accusations. I can't even get through the story, man. We might spend the whole segment on this one story. I was just crying. I know. I that my contact fell out. <laughs> <laughs> it's facing accusations of being white after claiming to hold Native American heritage, according to a report. Kayla Claire who identifies as non-binary, which means, by the way, the New York Post, which is typically very conservative, is going to hear on refer to her as they or there. Whatever. Kayla Claire, who identifies as non-binary, allegedly faked their indigenous heritage and used the front to make money. Oh, she's a thief, too. It gets better and better. LeClaire was accused in an online forum of actually being white after claiming since 2017 they were of Metis Oneida Ashinabi and Hadu Sanani and Cuban and Jewish heritage, <laughs> oh, as reported uh, this past Tuesday. But LeClaire, who went by the Native American name of Nibi Wakamikji, 
it's it's a it's a it's an online name from the uh, uh, oh where the what tribe is it uh, the Ojibwe tribe. Okay, she goes by the name of Nibi Wakamitje. Was allegedly exposed after a hobbyist genealogist posted evidence of Leclerc's real genealogy on an online forum. Here's her response. You'd think at some point she would go, "Oh, uh, that's a lie," or "Oh, I'm so sorry." No, she wrote this. I'm sorry, they reportedly wrote. A lot of information has come to my attention since late December. <laughs> a lot of information. Come to her attention? I didn't know that I wasn't actually a Native American. It's been brought to my attention. Anyway, I'm sorry they reportedly wrote. A lot of information has come to my attention since late December. I am still processing it all and do not yet know how to respond adequately. What I can do now is offer change. What that basically means is, uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, all I can do is tell you I'll try not to. Here's a response again. Moving forward, my efforts will be towards reducing harm by following the directions provided by the Native community members and community-specified proxies. Currently, this means I'm not using the Ojibwe name given to me and removing myself from all community spaces, positions, and projects. The collective, that would be, by the way, the uh, Queer Indigenous Artists Collective in Wisconsin, said in an Instagram post that the organization and LeClaire parted ways December 31st. That's the most jacked-up story I have ever heard, literally. Burma, did you find your contact? I'm still looking for it. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I, I had, did it during the break. I had Boomer in tears over the <laughs> co-owner of the Queer Indigenous Artist Collective who's non-binary and now being accused of being white when she said she was Native American. That story had him what in a, tears. What a crazy story. That's the craziest. That may be the craziest woke story. I think every aspect of wokeness was in this one story. How do you identify what your gender is, using they, them, stealing from people, <laughs> having a queer indigenous artist collective. Leanne from Huntsville said, you made this up. I did not make this <laughs> up, Leanne. I am holding the story up to the, to, the, to the TV cameras right now so that people can see the video stream. Go, go check it out. It's dated January 3rd, New York Post. Kay LeClaire, non-binary art collective boss accused of faking Native American heritage. There. How you like me now, Leanne from Huntsville? <laughs> I didn't make this up. <laughs> Allie from Athens says, so why didn't she just say we're removing ourselves? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Allie. Great point. Gimble from Harvest is, is texting in. Phil, you're a straight, white, middle-aged male Christian. You're also conservative. Does being a veteran redeem you in any way in the eyes of the left? Probably not. Probably not. And then uh, Leanne from Huntsville goes, Boomer made it up. Boomer made it up. <laughs> Um, Boomer, tell my caller about to hold on during the, during the break, brother, because we're going to hold to a break here like about, about 35 seconds. So, um, uh, wow. And John from Huntsville just texted in and said, I am so confused. <laughs> I just, I don't know where else to go with this. All I can do is lay it out there, folks, and tell you it's part of Adventures in Woke World. Wow. Um, okay. Boomer, you're being accused of making the story up for me. Did you know that? Oh. Hey, I found my contact. <laughs> Just now. <laughs> Next time, don't don't laugh so hard you cry and wash out your contacts. Oh my god! I'm being gosh. good. Wait, did you say I was being accused of this? Yes, Leanne from Oswald <laughs> came back and said, "Here's her actual quote." She said, "Boomer made this up. Boomer made this up." <laughs> oh my gosh! 
Allison from Madison said, wow, that is the Baskin Robbins of wokeness, at least 31 flavors. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Boomer, I can't handle it. I, I need a break just to get myself back in order. Do you see, do you see Allison from Madison's? Uh, her comment was, that's the Baskin Robbins of wokeness, at least 31 flavors. Oh, yeah. Take it to a break, man. I'll come right back. I'll get myself together. Phil Williams, oh, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right i'm talking about we are way down south of huntsville up north of uh way down south of birmingham up north of huntsville i'm so discombobulated from that last story we're just covering north alabama how about that there you go there it is uh hey by the way before i go too much further cool weather is finally back right so it's it's what a, what a great weekend for you to get up on a saturday morning and go you know what I am not feeding the kids the usual bowl of cereal. We're not going to go get a biscuit. We're going down to Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Go down there, get yourself like this splurge. Get the, the treat coffee, Charlene calls them. Get, get like a big old cappuccino and then order some waffles. Like the berry, berry, blueberry waffles, they call it, or or any number of other types of waffles. They got the wamlet, a giant omelet cooked in a waffle iron that has everything in the world in it, including tater tots. I mean, listen, the food down there is unique. It's different. You won't mess up your own kitchen. And what a great way to have a Saturday morning. So just consider it. Just love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area: Hughes Road in Madison, out towards City Hall, and South Parkway in Huntsville, down there near Whole Foods. And, and do me a favor, when you're checking out, tell them, hey, I heard about y'all on Right Side Radio. That, I, I get the biggest kick when Travis, who owns both locations, tells me that our listeners go in. All right. I got callers on the line. I got people texting like mad. That one story lit up. And by the way, Raven from Russellville says, that story gets the Jack Wagon of the Year Award. <laughs> Let me go to the phones real quick. Is that Allie on line one? Allie from Athens. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing well. Except that I don't know that it's safe for me to drive because I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> but I did want to point out I did want to point this out as someone who publishes a newspaper. If the woman who is not a woman is going to be consistent with her weird approach to somehow being accountable, why would she not say we shall withdraw ourselves <laughs> yeah. as opposed to I shall withdraw myself? Just saying. Just saying. The consistency was not there, was it? 
Mm-mm. No, sir. Well, you know what? When when you live that many falsehoods at one time, it's hard to keep up. Well, the only other thing that she could throw in was was maybe I don't know. Maybe she could identify as being a furry beaver that's gone through oh. a gen transition. You're right. We did well, leave out a couple of woke pieces. You're right. <laughs> we did, and you know what? This is what I would do. She's a collective boss, right? Collective. There's the irony. Art boss, right? Okay. Right. So. You remember, you're too young probably to remember this, but back in the day, Andy Warhol got famous over Campbell's Soup. So maybe somebody should send her the old version of the Land of Lakes butter label that has the squaw on it. And just say... I I, 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 I think we've just verged, tripped over into non-political correctness at that point. (laughs) Well, I think we did that. It's in our rearview mirror, sir. Oh, my gosh. Allie, appreciate you. You have a great weekend, my friend. You too, sir. All right. Hey, I'll go to uh, line two, Boomer. That's... um, I'm looking, and by the way, we got a great compliment, uh, Boomer. Alice from Huntsville says you and I make a great team. Uh, thank you, Alice from Huntsville. We appreciate Thanks, you very much. Um, the, yeah, we just lit up the phone lines. Jeff from Indiana is on the line. I know he called himself Billy from Kentucky, but we figured him out. That's Jeff from Indiana. Hey, brother, how you doing? No, no this is Billy from Kentucky. First time caller and long time listener. <laughs> okay. But I'm identifying as Jeff from Indiana today because. He usually makes you cackle like an old hen like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what's up there, uh, Billy Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I, uh, I want to identify as a legal alien. I want my shoes and uh, airplane ride and free phone, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, a, and a trip to Martha's Vineyard. How about that? Exactly, yeah. I'll stay there for a while. I'll let them put me up anywhere they want. But, uh, but why is everybody losing their mind over somebody identifying as a Native American, I mean, they can identify as a unicorn if they want to. I mean, come on. They're already trying to be a different sex. You can be a different age. Heck, you can even be a transformer. Maybe you're a, a, a maybe you're an old uh, Mustang and want to identify as Bill Williams. <laughs> you know, or, or like I said, how about if uh, if my uh, my truck identifies as a Prius, can it park in the economy parking? That's what I want to know. Well, of course. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit on this stuff, but I mean, you know, as is, long is as everybody's changing all their identities and everything, you know, what difference does it make what color you are or what uh, or what ethnicity you ethnicity you are? Because uh, you know, changing your sex and stuff is a whole lot harder to do than changing your ethnicity. It, it is madness, oh, brother. <laughs> it is madness. Uh, you still off work right now, by the way? Yep. Yeah, they. Uh, like I say, the I'm off, I'm off to further notice right now, so well, I'm enjoying life. <laughs> well, you take care, man, and uh, we will catch you real good soon. I got somebody else in line three, I think, so let me jump over there and grab it. We'll see you, brother. See who they identify as, man. <laughs> Have I got a caller, Boomer? <laughs> oh, they, they hung up. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I, I, I'm done with Jeff, too, then, I guess. But, uh, all right, if you want to call in, we'll take them, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, just got a text here. Jay from Hartzell says, wow, I'm starting to second guess who or what I am. I knew I shouldn't have quit drinking. <laughs> I guess I'll drown my sorrows and make it maple bacon donuts. <laughs> so... Um, uh, all right, moving on in the uh, in the uh, the segment here. All right, because that one story has apparently become a segment unto itself. But um, yeah, adventures in woke world. You will be glad to know, by the way, the Daily Wire reports 
There has apparently been a study to determine that there is no biological evidence for gender identity. Oh, it's, boy. It's a, I, <laughs> I kid you not. I, I will say this. As much as I think like it's stupid that we had to have a study to say that, the study was done for the right reasons. The study was done in part to debunk all the things that are being said about why there need to be you know, these transgender treatments and surgeries for minors, uh, which we have a law against now in Alabama, thank goodness. But here's the opening. Daily Wire, headline, no biological evidence for gender identity exists, a group of scientists as researchers say. <laughs> you think? <laughs> says, while the term gender identity has exploded in popularity as a way for transgender individuals to express the feelings of misalignment with their bodies, a group of scientists say there is no empirical evidence for its existence in biology. You think? According to an international group of over 100 clinicians and researchers, there is currently no biological evidence for gender identity and no laboratory test that can distinguish a trans-identified person from a non-trans-identified person. Despite this, the belief in gender identity is used as the basis for medically transitioning thousands of children and adolescents. Here's the quote. All right, try to decipher this because there's a whole lot of Scrabble words as one quote. Quote, the assumption of core biological underpinnings for gender identity and gender dysphoria remain an unproven theory. While biology likely plays a role in gender nonconformity, currently there is no brain, blood, or other objective test that distinguishes a trans-identified from a non-trans-identified person once confounding factors such as sexual orientation are controlled for, said the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine in an article debunking false and unproven assumptions used to tra medically transition. So basically, here's the bottom line, y'all. The very fact that we have to do this is a part of woke world right now. These are the things that are maddening. Some of these stories make you laugh. Some make you roll your eyes. Some make you want to throw something at the radio. This is one of those where you look, I don't know whether to roll my eyes or throw something. Because what we're saying is there had to be 100 clinicians and researchers contribute to an actual study to prove that there is no biological evidence that would allow for the surgery of a minor to change them allegedly from a male to a female or a female to a male. It's unbelievable that we're at the point where a, bio, a, a study has to be done to say what I just said, but it does. All right, what do I got next? Adventures. Hit, hit the sound effect for me, man. It's necessary. Adventures in Woke, woke world. world. All right, you'll be happy to know that they've now determined what causes domestic violence. Boomer? They have now determined. They have now determined what one of the leading contributing factors is to domestic violence. Oh. Which I'm, by the way, don't. not at all going to minimize domestic violence because that's that's just, you know what, that's just awful. But yeah. it, it's, it's, it's one of the most inherently awful things in society is that there would be domestic violence in the house. Um, not at all what God intends. But you look at it and go, so what causes it? Well, yeah, what causes it? Well, according to a uh, recent uh, op-ed in the Washington Post, it's climate change. I climate know. change. You're going you're gonna to lose a contact again, aren't you? I'm going to lose a contact. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> climate change. Climate change. Climate change has been accused of being inherently racist and sexist. It has been blamed for congenital heart defects. It now stands accused of another grievous category of misdeed, according to yesterday's article on TheBlaze.com. According to an op-ed in the Washington Post, if a man in a poor country brutalizes a woman, his victim could attribute her aggressor's malice and cruelty, at least in part, to climate change. Are they just giving them a way out because for something so horrible? I, I don't know. I think, they're, I think they're trying to find a way to get more money to, to do things with green energy policies because of 
climate change. Got it. That's mm. trying to justify their beliefs. Wow. Trying to find a problem to fit their solution. That's what they're trying to do. Mm. In the article co-published Tuesday by The Post and The Fuller Project, their interests apparently converged, culminating in the suggestion that the threat of violence could become more common as climate change makes extreme weather events more intense and frequent. God mighty. It says, with an apparent dearth of proof to substantiate their claims, the article's authors then seized upon an indirect link between bad weather and domestic violence taken up in the UN's, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's recent report. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now, I will say this. In the hot summer months in, um, you know, in, in, in places where you don't have air conditioning and things like that, you do, since we, used to, we, we saw it in Baghdad. You'd see a spike in violence in the hot months because tensions get exacerbated and, you know, okay. But this assumes, first of all, that climate change is causing something and then at the same time that it's linked directly to domestic violence, which has only been there for what, since time immemorial. I mean, you can look at domestic violence and say Cain and Abel was technically domestic violence. Uh, so I'm pretty sure domestic violence has been around a lot longer than the so-called climate change caused by carbon emissions. Yeah. All right, before I go to the break, let me just tell you guys, uh, ZLA Solutions has been one of our sponsors on this show since the very beginning. Uh, and they are good at what they do. ZLA Solutions is no fooling, one of the best around right now, in my opinion, at putting jobs and people together. If you're looking for a job, y'all, literally, I mean, if you're looking for a job, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. ZLA Solutions, they can help you find a job. They've got them posted right now on their website, many of them around the northern part of our state especially. But if you're also an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, well, they can help you with that. That's what they do. That's their bread and butter, man. They can do all kinds of business in solutions like, you know, logistics and quality control and sorting and containment and, you know, warehousing. But bread and butter for them is staffing. And so they can do that. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. Background checks, drug testing, recruitment, they'll do it all. ZLA Solutions. Their, their motto is at ZLA, we don't make it, we make it better. And that's because their mission in life is to help you make your business better. All right, we're going to a break. I'm coming right back. You might be curious... As we move through adventures in woke world, what was the question that was asked of the parliamentary staff as they came on duty in Great Britain? Or how about some of the other things like, is there really going to be a Greta Thunberg statue at a university? <laughs> we'll talk about it. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Having more fun than anybody should be allowed to have and being conservative while I do it. Um, hey, real quickly, before I go too much further, my friends at Riley & Jackson Law Firm, no kidding, I know these folks personally, they are my friends. I was actually on the phone with one of them a couple of days ago. Uh, Riley & Jackson Law Firm, major firm that works out of Birmingham, but they cover the entire state. And they're a big firm, but they're one of those firms that can still give you personalized attention. And that's, that that's, to me, is, is very key. 
So I wouldn't even be recommending them if I didn't think that they were going to be the kind that would actually take care of your needs in a personal way. But they, they've been working on this Camp Lejeune water contamination thing for a while now. they got like five lawyers assigned to that issue themselves. And, uh, and they're doing an amazing job at it. If you were at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, at any time between 1953 and 1987, wow, big spread, you may have been exposed to uh, contaminated water, which uh, could have caused up to 19 different illnesses that you may or, you know, have contracted or a family member did. So check them out. They can, they can talk you through it. They'll, they'll give you a personalized review of your situation, tell you whether you qualify. The other thing they've got going they wanted me to make sure I told you about is um, if you were a firefighter, or if you were in the military using firefighting foam, uh, you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of firefighting foam that, that literally um, uh, could qualify you for a compensable claim. They will not get paid unless they get money for you. They will not charge you for the phone call. It is worth your time. I'm just telling you. And what I love about this, Riley and Jackson's not just good on the law. I like to say they're one of those law firms that's good on the politics, too, if you know what I'm saying. So here's their phone number. Get ready. The phone number. Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. It's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. And, and do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on the right side, because that, that's, uh, that's just cool for me to know when my folks are calling in. They've got several right side listeners that are now clients. Um, <gasps> no representation made the quality of legal service before was great. The quality of legal service before the lawyers. Bam, there it is. Um, uh, going back to woke world because I got some more. I'm not sure I can get to them all. I'm still I'm still dealing with that first story. That still still got me just ra- my my ribs hurt uh, from that one. I mean, what was she the the non-binary fake Native American who helped run the queer Indigenous Persons Art Collective? What? <laughs> okay. How about this? Uh, you'll be interested to know that in the United Kingdom. Uh, as the parliamentary staff reported for duty, uh, they were asked on the security pass application form uh, whether their fathers identified as male or female. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's like saying, is the circle round? What? Yeah. The, how, many, how many corners does your circle have? No, it doesn't work that way. What? <laughs> Parliamentary staff asked whether their fathers are male or female. Female. Anyone applying for a pass must give details of their parents, including their names, dates of birth, and nationalities. But the recently revised application being used by the parliamentary staff uh, HR office literally asks them to list their mother and father's gender identities, too. <sighs> Forms seen by the Daily Mail show employees being asked to give details about their birth father, including gender. The options are female, male, or other, but there is no option to ignore the question. Oh, God. Uh, I went to a doctor the other day, by the way, Boomer, and I had to actually, you know, they had the, they gave me the iPad to fill out and I had to, you know, do the digital. Oh yeah. 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 And, um, and, and I had to answer how I identify. Oh, and I had I, to do that the other I day could somewhere. I not answer it. I mean, I wanted to ignore the question. But you can't go forward and you can't hit continue on the little iPad oh. until you've answered the question. Mom was on a piece of paper, so I just skipped it. There you go. <laughs> and I said, ha! How you like me ha. now? <laughs> I'm a rebel. I refuse. Um, okay. Boomer, if you are being sworn into office. <laughs> that's not. I mean, I, okay. Have you yes. seen someone who's in Congress? Okay, you're right. You're right. Here we go. You yes. could do this, man. <laughs> you could so do this. I could. You could. And you could dress better than Fetterman and get elected. I just Ooh. I feel certain. 
Although you go. are wearing a hoodie right now. I am. I am wearing a hoodie. Okay. Currently. If you were being sworn into office and you were asked to put your hand on the book, what book would it be? The Bible. There you go. Most people would. Yeah. I could see where a Muslim would use a Quran. That's happened before in, in you know, being sworn into Congress or whatever okay. else. I get it. Uh, you may be interested to know that the incoming uh, California Democrat representative-elect Robert Garcia is going to be sworn in on a rare Superman comic book. No. I kid you not. He's uh, very proud of the fact that he's a uh, gay American, and um, he's also a naturalized citizen. He hits all of the checks all the boxes for the uh, intersectionalities required to be a liberal. And uh, it says, Garcia, who is openly gay and the son of immigrants from Peru, said he related to Superman as a child, okay, and has been a fan ever since, and he praised DC Comics for its iteration of the superhero coming out as bisexual. Therefore, he intends to be sworn in on one of the 1939 first editions of Superman. Wow. Yeah, it's... That's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no way around it. That's just weird. It's not as good as the non-binary, not... indigenous, queer, collective right. art person faking their <laughs> Native American heritage. All right, you guys. I didn't even get through it all, but that was just fun. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys have an amazing weekend. Boomer and I are back here at 2 on Monday. We'll see you then. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to 